Recently, white people have heard many more conversations about race, and some are trying to figure out how best to engage in those conversations. Some leaders of color say that white people should be talking to each other about race, like Devin Rogers, an organizer in Seattle's black community. White people should be working on dealing with their own stuff versus trying to save everybody. They need to figure out themselves before they can help support us. Today, we meet a young woman raised in a low-income family who is trying to do just that. Radioactive's Paul Kiefer reports. Annalisa started thinking about race at a very young age, and for a reason that you might not expect. I met with her in her small apartment in Lake City. <laughs> he was like, you will pet me now. <laughs> All right, that, that was my cat. Um, <laughs> uh, my name's Annalisa Moonschruder. I am from Seattle, from South Seattle. I was born and raised there. Annalisa's 24. She grew up in a big extended family with 10 other kids. She's the only one who's white. My brother and my sister are both mixed, and then my other sisters are African, African-American. Both of Annalisa's parents worked, but they didn't make much money. She grew up in Section 8 housing. My dad worked night shifts, and my mom was working all the time also. When Annalisa was in elementary school, her parents sent her and her siblings to a mostly white school in the North End. She felt very alien there. Do you feel like you identified more with your black neighbors in the South End than you did with the kids you went to school with in the North End? At that age, I really did. Annalisa didn't see herself as one of the North End white kids, but other people did. Or at least they treated her differently than her siblings. I definitely noticed the difference between how my teachers and, like, staff people in the school would treat my brother as opposed to, like, how they would treat me. He would get in trouble a lot, and he would get, like, he got suspended um, in elementary school. That wasn't so true for the white students. It's not like we did anything different than my brother. And I think that's the first time that I can actually remember thinking, like, there's something else going on. Annalisa started to see these differences in every part of her life. She grew more and more frustrated, and it started to take an emotional toll on her. I held a lot of anger, like, towards myself and towards my family and towards, like, white people in general. But at the same time, she wanted to understand the racism she saw around her. In high school, she began to talk about race with other young people. Annalisa learned that racism wasn't limited to nasty comments and unfair suspensions. It was about people of color not getting the same opportunities as white people. When I started learning about the racial disparities, I was like, whoa, okay, all right, and and started making connections of, like, all the experiences that I had in my life and the people that I had grown up with in the South End and in South Seattle. So she began to look for ways to work against those racial disparities. And that's how I met Annalisa. It was a warm evening in Seattle's Volunteer Park, and Annalisa and I were about to speak to an audience of around 50 people. Most of them were white. Organize against racism in order to try to do something with our, with our privilege and utilize that privilege. They're part of a growing movement of white people who come together to reflect on their privilege. It's really easy for us to just go to an event. Some people might not believe that Annalisa has white privilege because she was raised in a low-income family. But she says white privilege doesn't mean having everything in life handed to you. Like many other poor and working-class white people, Annalisa has not lived an easy life. Like, we've had to work our whole lives. You know, we've had to go to the food bank and we've had to, like, not eat. But to her, white privilege is in the messages that she receives from media, in the way that she was treated in schools, and in the way that employers look at her resume. Am I going to choose to just continue my life and benefit from that and work and grow old, have kids and die? Or am I going to actually work towards undoing those systems so that the world doesn't have to be like this? So Annalisa joined the white anti-racist movement. I see it as being white people who are intentionally and strategically trying to organize to break down the systems that we've created. And some people of color support that effort. Devin Rogers is one of them. 
She's an organizer in Seattle's Black community. White people support people of color by not shouting their opinions and their voices when people of color are speaking and by also talking to other white people and getting them involved. Which is exactly what Annalisa is trying to do. She wants to get more people like her involved in the conversation about privilege. But it's challenging. Because of our class experience, a lot of people don't feel like white privilege exists for them. And there are practical reasons why more low-income people don't get involved, like busy work schedules. But Annalisa hopes that changes. In the meantime, she's helping organize events for white anti-racists, like the one at Volunteer Park. Hey, everybody. My name is Annalisa. Um, dang, you are so beautiful. <laughs> okay. I think that any time there's white people getting together to talk about anti-racism and to talk about what it looks like to organize and to be real about themselves, I think that that's a success every time. For Radioactive, I'm Paul Kiefer.